Hey, and welcome to the inaugural episode of the Weekly Brew podcast. So essentially what this is, is a an addition onto my written posts that I publish each week. And the idea is to connect on a more audio visual level. So I'm very excited about this because um, it just gives me an opportunity to flesh out my thoughts for the week. And for those that have subscribed and followed me for a long time on my weekly brew newsletter, it means the world to me because it's the one place where I feel like I can connect with my audience on a very deep level. And a lot of the emails that I receive comes from the weekly brew newsletter, which goes out each week, obviously, to you amazing people. So it's an honor to walk this path with you and to continue to give our bodies the, 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 the sort of recognition that they need because a lot of my work is focused around the wisdom of the body and its capacity to heal itself through focusing on a meat-based diet, moving well, moving daily, and the conscious mindful awareness that comes with integrating those two together. But not only that, also the mindful awareness of integrating spirituality into our lives, something that I think is so easily lost in the world, the modern world that we live in. And what I love is that for those that have followed me for a long time is that I'm not very scientific. Um, there's so much research out there. There's almost an abundance of information out there. there. There's so much stuff out there. There's so much data and things that on the superficial surface look like they're important, but in the real, often brutal world, we find that maybe they're not as important as we think they are. Or they're just not as practical as we believe they, they might be. Which the most important thing is with any endeavor, um, especially when it comes to healing the body and integrating that healing into everything around you, into your community, into your life, is that the practicality of it has to ring true in the real world. So there's so many different ways you can flesh out that concept, but ultimately something has to be your own and you don't need a guru, you don't need me <laughs> speaking to you in a microphone, but what you need is yourself. You need that inner, that inner shaman within yourself that knows the way um, that often just needs the right fertilization, the right questions and the right prompts to get you to the point where you can trust yourself to the level that you can go do the thing that you want to do, whatever that may be. I'm certainly not your guru. I'm certainly not here to tell you what to do or what to believe or what, how to live your life. But at a fundamental level, um, healing has to begin with plunging into the battle and ultimately focusing on meat movement mindfulness. So really taking taking the full spectrum of the ancestrally aligned human 
tendencies that we've had with us our whole entire existence, which we've sort of lost the past couple of hundreds of years, um, naturally, and tapping back into our body's wisdom through honoring those three practices. And just a brief rundown before I get into the first audio version of the weekly brew is that I firmly believe that number one is that in order to heal the body, you have to have the right nutrients to heal the body. So that's where meat comes in. A meat-based diet, in my opinion, is a fundamentally human diet. Uh, Meat has the most bioavailable sources of nutrition bar none. Um, There's so much research on that. So although plants have nutrition, they are not as bioavailable, which means that basically when I eat meat, my body absorbs it far more efficiently than any sort of plant material out there. I'm not saying all plants are bad, but what I am saying is that most are. And unlike animals which have horns and teeth to fight and run away from, and animals have legs and They've got all of, they've developed these sort of physical capacities to get out of a situation where a predator might be harming them. Plants, on the other hand, use chemical warfare. So they use toxins that deter predators like you, me, and I like to say the neighborhood cat, Ivan, from eating them. And the way they do this is by interfering with gut gut bacteria, interfering uh, with the absorption of minerals and just generally making you not feel good because if plants didn't have defense mechanisms, every animal on earth would eat the shit out of them and they wouldn't be able to reproduce. And that's the number one goal of most, if not all organisms on earth is to reproduce and uh, pass on our genes to the next generation. And the way to do that is to defend ourselves because let's face it, there's many predators out there. So we've we've developed these very, very interesting defense mechanisms throughout our history to get us to this point. So there we go. Plants use chemical warfare. Animals like myself and any other animal will use physical ways to get out of um, being harmed or any other way that you think would render you getting out of a situation that's harming you. So the next sort of let me have a sip of coffee first this wouldn't be the weekly brew if i didn't have a dramatic sip of coffee um really mid-sentence so there we go first sip done the next aspect is movement so movement can be anything that honors your body's physical capacity to work well And this is a celebration, really, of your body. So it could be tennis for some. It could be walking. It could be cycling. It could be anything that you are giving your body what it needs to heal itself through putting it through its own paces. So movement is something that is inherent with any organism. It's something that's so important in everyday life. But... Again, we've sort of lost this capacity and we've lost the honoring of movements through our sedentary lifestyles, which is normal, but it's just something to think of and something that is so important. And this encapsulates many aspects. This can encapsulate breathing, 
this can encapsulate going for a run. This can encapsulate cold exposure. All of this is a physical, a physical enactment of exposing your body to the elements or moving it in a way that it has to sweat and it has to work to get something done. And it's so underrated, um, especially in the meat-based, animal-based community, is because people think, you know, diets alone is going to get you somewhere where it's probably not the best idea just to focus on that. It's probably good to integrate many things. So movement is something that's so fundamentally important and so fundamentally lost that it's important to keep in mind always. And then finally, mindfulness to wrap this up, this wrap this long intro up. Mindfulness is the lost spirituality that we have in our modern lives. And when I say spirituality, I don't mean it in a woo-woo fashion. I mean the fact that we have attached ourselves to material possessions in a way that's rendered this greater force that's that's out there. I mean, one just has to go out on a clear night and see the stars and just realize that we are literally thrust in a a universe that is so large and so that makes us so infinitesimal in the grand scheme of what's going on out there that we've almost forgot that and the reminder of that going into nature and being reminded of that is the is the constant reenactment of how little we actually matter in the in the grand scheme of things and maybe that seems depressing to some who have spent their whole lives uh, trying to matter but when pondered you actually think about the possibility that that actually gives you which is hey you know this life there's more to life than chasing your goals or or you know even getting away from them, even just drinking every weekend or using substances and things like that. So there's so much more to that. And I'm a big fan um, of meditation. Not everyone is. So I, I love to, to, be, to be mindful at least once a day, 20 minutes in the morning. Meditation is one of the forms of mindfulness that I practice. Journaling is another one. Um, just a constant stream of consciousness onto a page where I let my mind run rampant basically i i just write whatever's going on in my head on the page so that i can see it and it's out there and sometimes it seems crazy but more often than not it's a blessing because it just allows me to see the sort of mess that's going on and and allow the muddied water to settle so i can see a bit more clearly so it's a process and then finally you know there's so much more to each of these domains but on the mindfulness aspect, um, strategic psychedelic interventions, whether it's a retreat or going with some sort of shaman or professional and venturing into the part of your mind that is almost, I would say almost impossible to reach without some sort of intervention like that. Um, I, I say almost because, you know, there's many things like near-death experiences and things that happen to you where these sort of revelations can happen it's just psychedelics are a um a sort of shortcut to that if, if, if basically is what i'm saying so 
I realize I've just gone from talking about meat-based diets to psychedelics. And you're probably wondering how on earth do these all connect? I firmly believe that they do. And I firmly believe that you get people in the community, in like let's just say a meat-based community, you get certain people that are so focused on that that they forget there's other parts to healing. And then you get so then you get people that are so focused on the use of psychedelics that they completely forget about the nutrition part of things and the importance of eating ancestrally aligned food. And then you get people that are so focused on fitness that they've forgotten the other two. So my goal with this podcast and with my content in general is the integration of these three fundamentally fundamentally human healing modalities and it might seem like a lot to take in but once you start to absorb it and once you start to integrate it into your life daily it starts to make a bit more sense because as one might be dipping a bit the other one will pick it up so these three are essentially the mind the body and the soul coming together as one And I think it's a very practical way to look at it. So let me know if you feel the same way. Maybe I'm just crazy. Who knows? But let's get into the first audio version of the Weekly Brew, which was released last week, but I'm recording the audio now. And the quote that I'm contemplating this week is from Wim Hof. And I would I would say that this is this is really close to me because I've been doing the Wim Hof breathing method now um, and cold showers for the past couple of months. I briefly had a stint in 2017 and 2018 where I was doing cold showers daily, but I wasn't doing the breathing. I was a little bit reluctant or I was a little bit apprehensive about the effects that breathing could have on the body. <laughs> Let's just say that. So... What happened was I read the book Breathe by James Nestor and that changed it all. It, it really, it, it's, it articulated the importance of the breath in a way that made sense to me. And I'm, I'm forever grateful for reading that book because it's highlighted so much for me. And you're going to hear me speaking a lot about books on this show. You're going to hear me constantly referencing books because books are a way or let's just say the best books are a way to completely change the paradigm that you're living in and to open up doorways to a new understanding. And it's so, it's so important. And I create a lot of content these days, so I don't read nearly as much as I would like to, but it's certainly something that I do often. And I'm, I'm more focused on the creation now and, and what is in my head and putting that out into the world. But it's just so important to, pick up those good books that friends might recommend or people recommend because those are the books that matter. So back to Wim Hof is that I've been doing his breathing technique and the cold showers for the past couple of months and it has been phenomenal to acknowledge the wisdom in my body through breathing deliberately. I spoke about psychedelics earlier. It is almost like a psychedelic experience when you do one of his breathing um techniques which i'll link in the show notes he has uh, on youtube which is free you do basically three sets of 30 breaths 30 deliberate breaths in out through the nose in through the nose out through the mouth with no pause and then 
the last breath you breathe all your you breathe all of your air out and you hold your breath and holding the breath counterintuitively is a way to relax the nervous system so when people are stressed they um, tend to they tend to hold their stress in their body and they start breathing very shallow and they start to Basically, it's a physical manifestation, which is very interesting to me. And this holding the breath after you've done this deliberate breathing that Wim Hof guides you through is a way to train your body to handle the stress that you're experiencing. So the physical stress that you're experiencing. So that's the most interesting thing for me. I I just have to say that. And... The quote that I am contemplating is Wim Hof. This is in his Twitter bio, by the way. The cold is merciless, but righteous. It teaches you how to breathe. So when you're exposing yourself to cold or the elements, you are exposing yourself to your own breath because you are suddenly forced to breathe and focus on your breathing because if you don't, your body is going to go into a shock. And I did a cold plunge in the the cold Amsterdam waters where I, I currently live in Amsterdam. Um, I'm actually in Cape Town recording this right now. I'm here for a month, but I currently live in Amsterdam. I did a cold plunge there. It was incredible, even though I only lasted about 30 seconds, it was incredible to, to know that my body can handle that level of exposure to the cold because that is an honoring of your body's wisdom so that when times do get stressed you know at the moment i'm in cape town although it's very beautiful here i do feel a bit discombobulated there's a lot going on i feel like i'm i'm more equipped through experiences like that so putting my body through the the deliberate experience of cold exposure it has created this anti-stress force within me and that's what it's about it is about creating that anti-stress force within you through these physical manifestations of exposing your body to the elements that is just so amazing i think it is so incredible what the body can do and how that feeds the mind and vice versa but it all starts with the body it all starts with the biology because if you don't have the bio if you don't have the bio biological response to get you to that point no amount of mental training is just going to get you there uh, personal opinion but that's what i believe i believe it starts with the body so speaking of cape town going on on the weekly brew i recently obviously flew via plane and anybody who's Anybody who's connected to their food source and their body in a in a, in a way that um, they have been practicing for a long time and they're very very much conscious about what they're eating knows that when you travel on an airplane, the airplane food is absolutely terrible. It is just it is just it's just not great. So one way to to combat that is to prepare your own food. So to prepare a nice, um, you know, a couple of hard-boiled eggs, which is what I did, some steak. I had a day flight. I ate that in the morning. 
Um, it was a big meal. It kept me pretty full, but about three hours left in the plane, um, I started to get hungry. And uh, I gave in to the airplane food. I had some like bready, um, I, don't, I don't even know what it was. It was like a bready, it was like a cheese bread, basically. And it was it was okay, it was pretty nice. It did the job. But two things here. I'm, I am metabolically flexible enough now, which is, which is not always the case. And I want to speak more about this in the upcoming weeks, but I'm metabolically flexible now to, to have that shitty airplane food and not have it completely knock me off track. Because past Josh, Fat Josh, um, go to my website for more on Fat Josh, would have gone off the rails after that. I would have had um, a, a dessert, I would have had a soda, I would have, that probably would have carried on to the next day. I would have had a whole week of binging and it would have just turned into this whole big manic ex- episode. But because I was metabolically flexible, meaning you can depart from your ideal food choices every now and again, but get right back on track. Um, because I was metabolically flex- flexible, I was able to just you know get off the plane get back, I had a ribeye, I had, I had like half a ribeye, I went to bed, woke up, had bacon and eggs, got right back into the groove of a meat-based keto way of eating. So it didn't affect me. When I, speaking of that, when I woke up in the morning and I had breakfast, um, the lady at most hotels, they cook omelets on like a, um, on a, on a sheet, on like a metal uh, sheet that, obviously key, uh, that obviously heats the food up and um, she was clearly cooking with like sunflower oil so vegetable oil and for those that are listening for the first time vegetable oil will be coming up a lot because it is so toxic and I know most people think oh it's made from vegetable no no it is it is toxic go just go look at the way they produce vegetable oil and you'll be shocked it is the most unnatural process in the world. If you're going to eat a vegetable oil or drink or whatever you do with vegetable oil, I think olive oil is probably the best option because the, the processing of getting the fat out of the olive seed is far, far less hectic, very South African, far less intense than the process of getting it out of a sunflower or out of a uh, cotton seed, so canola oil. It's far less intense. So she was cooking in this vegetable oil and I just asked her nicely. I just said, hey, I'm allergic to vegetable oil, which is kind of a lie. It's kind of not because I still think all humans should not be eating vegetable oils. Can you cook it in butter? So she said, sure, cool. So she cooked this veg, she cooked my omelet in butter and I had a nice keto-friendly meal. The point here is that almost always people at restaurants will make a plan for you. So if you are wanting to stay on track, ask the people at the restaurants or ask the lady at the hotel, can you please cook my steak in butter? Can you please cook my omelets in butter? I'm allergic to vegetable oil, please. Almost always they will make a plan for you. So I like this because it also flexes this um this uh, i like to say the asking muscle inside you so it forces you to get out your comfort zone a bit and just ask for something instead of being the somebody who is afraid to look like you are being a nuisance to the people around you no 
you are you are looking after your health you are taking care of yourself you're honoring your body's wisdom by giving it the nutrients it needs so therefore that is completely okay and completely normal so that that is something that you need to take with you wherever you go so all this does is it just helps reinforce that muscle inside of you that you have within you and finally for this week's brew uh, as i as i um finish up here it's it's gone on a bit longer than i expected but before i get i would love to hear how you think this could evolve and if you are enjoying this so just let me know please um wherever you are listening to this I watched a, a documentary called The Biggest Little Farm on Netflix, um, which was amazing. I've never seen, I've never quite witnessed a documentary that shows regenerative agriculture in this way. Another dramatic coffee sip happening right now. So the synopsis from Wikipedia, in 2010, married couple Molly and John Chester decide to leave their old lives in LA behind and purchase an abandoned 81-acre farm near Moore Park in neighboring Ventura County, California, rechristening it Apricot Lane Farms. The couple spends the next seven years transforming the arid landscape into a fully functioning farm and biodiverse habitat for neighboring flora and fauna. They face hardship as the difficulties of keeping a farm running mount up, often resulting in frustration and anger, but also happiness at their harmonious relationship with nature. I don't want to give away too much, but go watch it. It's incredible. And it just made me appreciate nature's capacity to heal itself too. And it also made me realize that no matter what you eat, there is death there's no such thing as a bloodless meal. Death is going to happen regardless of what you eat. And nature has an incredible way of finding a way to keep things in order left to its own. It's amazing. And um, I highly, highly recommend watching it. It, it really is amazing. So without further, without further ado, Thank you for listening to the first episode of the Weekly Brew uh, audio series. So again, what I want to say is I release this in a written form to my members that are on my website. Uh, if you want to get the written form, go to my website, sign up as a member. Um, it's completely free at the moment. It just, uh, it just allows me to connect with you off of traditional social media channels. And um, yeah, let me know if this audio series makes a difference. Maybe it doesn't, but this is just... A little pilot run at the moment. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed fleshing out. I, I thoroughly enjoyed fleshing out the content that I write each week because I think there is so much more to whatever I say on the page, and it also just it also just gives me a chance to just flex those those voice muscles of mine and articulate my thoughts a bit better, which is always a good thing. But thank you so much. I appreciate you. It's an honor to walk this path with you. Please like, subscribe, comment, and give a rating if you can. It does go a long way to help people find my work. Until the next one, cheers for now.